Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts and I believe that we all have a purpose and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. So welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Delighted to welcome uh, our guest today, uh, who is Rob Moore. Rob Moore is a disruptor, entrepreneur, uh, 18 times author, uh, two times world record holder, uh, prolific content creator and podcaster. In fact, Rob, you're the reason why I'm doing this in the first place. So thank you for that. Uh, and uh, and so, uh, so yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Jolly good, jolly good. So, uh, so what are you working on right now? Uh, well, I'm sort of halfway through an NFT launch where I've done my pre-preview and pre-launch. And then um, in about three or four days' time, I've got um, my kind of first ex- less exclusive reveal, if you like. So I've been working on that for two, three months. I'm writing a couple of books, but slowly. Right. One's called the laws of money. One, one is called increase your fees with ease. Okay. Um, growing my training business. So we've got an aggressive growth plan for the next year to 18 months, just finishing a couple of larger developments. We just finished a 159 tenant apartment block and we're just doing another one, which will be 40 odd flats or, or units, I think. Um, so that's what we've got going on. It's yeah. a lot. It's a lot going on. Bits and bobs, odds and sods. <laughs> <laughs> odds and sods. So, um, so how, so how, how do you get to here then? What, what's your story? Um, well, um, what's my story? Bloody hell! How, you, how long have you got, and how many violins have you got? <laughs> well, I don't know. I've got. I used to play the violin, so it's all right. I could. Right. Uh, you I go could get serenade. the violin out, and I'll pull out my story. Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, when I was age six, my dad got me working for the first time. And I loved it. That'd be illegal now, but back then I loved it. <laughs> he got me working behind his bar, pulling drinks, taking customers' money off them, you know, for the, for buying their drinks and their food, emptying the pool tables and the slot machines and counting all the money and bagging it up and doing what's called bottling up when the shelves and fridges were all empty from the night before, changing the kegs and the beer barrels. And I loved it. And my dad would pay me about a pound for a, a full-on job, sometimes a pound a week, sometimes a pound, you know, for a full-on shift. And I'd go down to the local uh, sh- pound shop. Because, you know, 30, what, six years ago, 37 years ago, the pound was a lot of money. <laughs> it's Absolutely. not anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I'd buy a big picture frame car, Ferrari, Lamborghini, all that, and put them up on my wall and dream. And then um, I didn't really like school. I only got good grades and studied because I didn't want to be embarrassed and did it out of fear than desire. And I was the, I was, I was the fattest kid in my year for two or three years in a row at school. And I created quite a lot of loneliness, felt unnoticed, unloved, unrespected, not part of, whatever groups and cliques and in crowds you get at school. And these were my years of 11, 12, 13. So really quite important years in my development. So I I built up this really rather big people pleasing, needing to be noticed, accepted, loved, respected, admired, which I lacked. When I lost the weight and went to a new school, 
and surprisingly I didn't feel any different I, I thought I'd lose the weight and, and I'd, everything would feel better and then and even though I did start getting noticed friends girls I became more popular those feelings those voids never went away and then school was fine but not really my bag and something was missing there and I went to university but didn't want to study the the degree at all so from sort of age I don't know 11 to 25 I was lost and did what you're supposed to do you study you get good grades you go to university you get a job and and it wasn't me and I hated it nothing against anyone who does that you know but I just that just wasn't me but for those sort of 12 or 13 years I was lost and I came back from uni and had a bit of debt and was thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. And then three years had passed all of a sudden. I'm like, holy shit, where did that go? I'm nearly 20. I'm 26 in a few weeks. And I've got 50 grand's worth of debt. My dad's not very well. I'm working in the pub, living in the pubs, essentially sponging off my parents at 26. It's quite embarrassing. And then my dad had this massive nervous breakdown in his pub on December the 15th, 2005. In front of all the customers, he had like a big fit. Um police got called out they beat him up pretty much they arrested him they sectioned him and they diagnosed him with bipolar didn't see him for quite a few weeks or maybe even a few months um i mean my dad's seven just turned 78 and you know this was 15 16 years ago and it's been really hard to keep my dad with us with his really bad mental health issues and so I hated myself for a good few weeks after December the 15th, 2005, beat myself up that I was a loser, I was useless, I hadn't, I'd got those good degrees in that universe and all those A's and all those, you know, exam results. And yet I was in debt doing nothing with my life and went through a fair bit of self-loathing. And then, I don't know, just one day I thought, I remember wanting to be an entrepreneur as a kid and that's what I'm going to do. And I don't know how and I don't know what and I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. And it's funny. David, because what week after that, I met my business partner, Mark Homer at a networking event. A few weeks after that, I'd blagged the job at a property company. A year after that, we'd set up our company progressive, which is what 15 year anniversary now. And we must've done 150 to 200 mil in that company since. So it's funny how things can change when you make a decision. But um, like you said, I've written 18 business and property related books in the 12 years of sort of figuring my life out. Actually, when I really had a focus, things happened quite quickly for me. I became a millionaire before age 31, a decamillionaire before age 35. And you know, we've got 1,550 tenants in our property management and um, development companies. And, you know, I make mistakes and things go wrong and not everything's perfect and all that. But it's a lot better now. I have a bit of a, um, you know, a purpose. And I know you're big into the purpose side of things, David. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the radio edit, not the full album version of my story. By the way, yeah, 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 no, but that's that's a it's a good. There's, there's quite a lot in there, to be fair. I think because um, a lot of people do say that it takes a moment of pain to actually trigger somebody into into action. I mean, not always, but sometimes. But it sounds like that's that was your experience. I mean, do you think that if things had happened differently for you, you'd be in a different place now, the same place? What do you think? Well. Yeah, I mean, if I'd have done things differently, I'd be in a different place. You know, I think you can, goodness knows how many infinite number of realities or journeys our life could have gone on. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, in many, look, I believe, David, every upside has a downside. Every downside has an upside. 
You could take any event situation or person and you could figure roughly equal upsides and downsides, even the things we perceive are extreme down or extreme up. So yeah, I didn't have enough pain in my life. Clearly, I had a bit too much comfort, complacency, laziness or arrogance or hurt, but not pain. Hurt and pain are different. Um, So yeah, definitely what happened with my dad was a trigger for me and actually has ended up being a very positive trigger for sure. And yeah, sharp pain. The thing is, my life from sort of age 11 to 26, there was always this little dull sort of gentle ache, but no sharp pain. And that pain of December the 15th, 2005 on my dad um, pushed me into action. Now, as you know, David, I have a big training company and I teach people all this kind of stuff. And so what I say to people is don't wait for the event, make the event. Don't wait for what happened to me with my dad. Try and find some of that pain in yourself. Put yourself... You know, for me now, no matter how hard success might be, whatever success is, it's harder and more painful for me to not live a life of purpose and to not make my dad proud and to not fulfill my potential. So no matter how hard things get, I always go, well, the alternative is worse for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, when I was when I was a kid, I um, Bill, like what you said, really, I used to sort of almost define myself by what other people thought of me, you know. And I, I had a decent upbringing. There was lots of love in my family, and all all of that sort of stuff. It, you know, really, it was it was all good. And in a way, it's you look you look back on it, you think, well, why why did I why did I feel that need to kind of you know get approval from other people and all that sort of stuff? And I think human need, me, it's a hey? human need. It's a human need. That's yeah. What. Okay, okay, go on, explain. Well, uh, um, isn't it pretty universally agreed that all human beings need love? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But and for it, it to be so, you know, so, so all-consuming at times, it, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? Um, I think it takes a lot of wisdom and experience in life, really, to be honest, to not be concerned about what other people think about you because we're hardwired to be concerned about what other people think about us because it can mean death. And, um, you know, I do think that for me, I'm 43 now, David, and it took me 35, well, 30 years and 35 years and 38 years. You, you know, this, there's always this new level to transcending what other people think about you. It's also good though, David, because if, you know, if, if, if I go back to my belief that every downside has an upside and upside has a downside, if you didn't care at all what people think or thought about you, your customer service would be rubbish. You'd be cold. You'd be selfish. So, you know, you're probably quite a kind, nice, caring, serving person because you have a strong need for, you know, to be approved or what other people think about you. And, and I have that inherent within. It feels like it's my DNA that I've been trying to unlearn it and unteach myself it because it becomes so it has a great upside. But the downside is when you lose who you are trying to get approval from everybody else. That's the downside bit. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, for me, I had to find something. Well, I had to, to realise that actually, if I could uh, devote my attention to something bigger than myself or something outside of myself, then actually all that stuff didn't really matter anymore because actually I was focused on something, fulfilling something, and something I talk about quite a lot. Are you right? I'm into service. I think you've got to serve somebody to be somebody. And so actually you define yourself then by by the, the benefit other people derive from the help that you can give them. And whether you're kind of, you know, no matter what job you do or whatever it is, what aspirations you've got, finding your purpose, you know, there's a wheel of life thing in there. It's family, relationships, it's work, mission, it's like spiritual, money, all of those sorts of things. Whatever 
pushes your pushes your button if you're doing something to give for other people actually then that helps to drive you forward and takes you out of yourself out of your own head and you one, one other thing that you said as well was about you made a decision and it's that okay it's, it's making a decision it's realizing actually i have a choice about how i can respond to this situation and what i do next and what you seem to do now is make those decisions yeah um i'd agree with everything you said there david um for sure again going back to my point on balance you said you believe in service well if we were selfish animals no one would want to buy from us no one would want to interact or partner with us be our customer our partner our client our friend if we were wholly selfish but if we were wholly selfless we would self-negate we'd always feel suppressed we'd um be walked over trodden on abused so we need that balance of selfish and selfless you know so i have a vision to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get better financial education and knowledge i think that's a pretty selfless vision you know if i can help a hundred million or a billion people get better financial knowledge start and scale their business employ people create economy turn their passion into their profession that's pretty selfish sorry selfless but i'm going to be selfish about making a hundred million or a billion on the journey so again a lot of these things come back to balance if you care too much about what other people think about you you forget who you are if you're so selfish you don't care about anybody else no one cares who you are so what do you think then uh purpose how, how big a part has that played in your life well i'd say i've i wouldn't say i've always been lost when i've not had a purpose but i've floated along with wherever the wind and the sail and the tide will take me when i haven't had a purpose and that's you know if you get in a car and you just drive without putting a postcode in you'll end up where you end up and you might have a little bit of oh there's a couple of nice streets down here and i've seen a nice car but you just be driving around in circles your whole life and you run out of petrol yeah <laughs> so you know having a purpose is a bit like well i'm going from a to b this is my journey so for me when i found my purpose which look purposes can evolve as well because here's the thing with purpose again paradox upside and downside so many people are like, oh, I can't do anything until I found my purpose. I need my why. And Simon Sinek says, start with why. And I haven't got a why, so I can't start. And I get that because I've gone through that. But really, you just got to start feeling, in intuiting and being guided by it. I think I'd like to try this. I think I could be good at this. I think I could turn this into a business. I think I'd like to learn from this person. I think I could package my information into this product. And... And you just move, as long as you're moving forward and you start, oh, I like real estate. Oh, actually, I like the deal making, but I don't like the management. So I can teach people deal making. Oh, I really like the training. I want to build a training business, not just, and, and that's sort of how my dance went. And so, you know, for me now, my purpose, I call it my vision, help as many people on this planet, start and scale their business, get better financial education and knowledge. Um, that evolved through being an entrepreneur and getting into property and training and rentals and management and deal sourcing. And then like, I always knew there was more for, than property, but I loved property, but I loved what property gave me, but I didn't love the nuts and bolts of property, but I loved the nuts and bolts of speaking and training. So that was an evolution. And then I realized I like entrepreneurship more than just real estate. And I realized entrepreneurship, well, I could impact potentially 500 million people with entrepreneurship and then financial education, I could in impact 2 billion people with financial education. So, you know, at, you go on this journey and you more cement the things that fit, but it's always moving. Um, and, and you make it self loose as well as self ish. Um, 
And then you get feedback from people. And, you know, when you feel in flow and when they're inspired by you, and it's a journey, not a destination purpose. No, you know, I think we perceive, oh, I just wish I could wake up tomorrow morning and I've got my purpose. It, it doesn't happen like that. These, I woke up at three in the morning with a sweat and I knew it. That's just for movies. Yeah, yeah. It's not real life. Yeah. Well, also, I think people define it a little bit by the fact that they achieve a goal. And then when you when you achieve a goal, quite often you find that's not enough. There's there's more there's more to achieve. So so you know, so you've got to actually you've really got to enjoy the journey. You've really got to invest time in enjoying the journey. I mean, I found out about about you first of all with life leverage. So I I'm not, I'm nothing about property and I don't know you've been going for what, 5 years before you wrote life leverage, was it? M a bit more than that maybe. Um 10 years, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, so so I knew nothing about you and and um I was on a plane on the way to Greece and there was there was some couple going off on their honeymoon I think and this girl was reading life leverage. I thought, "Well, that's interesting. I've always been into personal development." So so what was it that that caused you to kind of make that shift in a way from being property focus into personal development. What 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 drove that? The skill set without the mindset will leave you upset. <laughs> so I think it was Craig Valentine that first told me that. So mm. um, what got me interested in personal development and, and mindset, I suppose, is because that's where everything exists. An idea comes from the mind. A solution to a problem comes from the mind. How you react to a challenge comes from the mind or the body, however you want to um distill it so you can learn you can read every book on the shelf and you can go on every course but if you're not prepared to face challenges if you're not prepared to face your demons if you're not good at managing your emotions not good at talking yourself into taking action and facing your fears and rejection and failure and ridicule and making mistakes and being okay with it and all these things you know and you can read that stuff in books but you have to go on that journey to actually figure it out so personal development the development of oneself the improvement of oneself, the improvement of one's skills and one's self-talk and one's mentality and one's durability and all of those things. That's like a martial art that you can go from, you get your black belt, then first down, second down, seventh down. And the older you get, the more Mr. Miyagi you get and you can knock someone out with your finger. That's really what personal development is. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I found definitely that your business will grow at the speed you grow. And you can't build a company. At one point, I had 250 people on my payroll. Um, and you can't grow a company like that without managing yourself and challenges. And how do you, how do you deal with COVID? And how do you deal with staff leaving? And how do you deal with people screwing you over? And how do you deal with legal challenges? And how do you deal with refund requests? And how do you deal with you know defamation? And how do you deal with breakages and system and software? And how do you deal with half your staff off with COVID, even though COVID's supposed to be over? And yada, yada, yada. How do you deal with all that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you talk a lot about uh, you know ways to manage yourself and manage your well life, not time, life. And uh, obviously, I've been listening. Uh, and uh, and so and you know, and routine and result equals results as well. As another little book uh, was on the back of which one? Um, what, what was the, what was that on the back of initially? So routine equals results. You can get a back book. Yeah, but the old version was a bonus on my book. Start now, get perfect later. Start now, get perfect later. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So um, there's all these models in there, all these techniques. How are you really able to keep and maintain all those systems and keep them going? I mean, I know you practice what you preach a lot, but are there any bits of it that you find harder to get working for you than others consistently? Yeah. Look, you know, I want to be a credible person with integrity. So um, I'm not going to teach anything I don't do. 
unless I tell you that I'm exploring it or I explicitly say, look, this looks interesting and I'm learning about it. And I sit here feeling pretty good about myself that 99% of the time I get that part right. But for sure, some of my own systems are hard to maintain. I have a, a to-do list system called Leverage Manage Do. It means whenever you get a load of jobs come in, first off, you leverage everything out to others. Second, you check what you've got on your um, being managed list. And then third, do you go and do the thing? But I can't help sometimes just getting in. Oh, man, I've got loads of tasks. I'll just pick that one off. I'll get that one done. That's a quick win. I'll just check my emails. And yeah, you know, habits and your own chimp mind can take you away from your own systems. I, I rarely break my own rules now because I'm old enough to know if I break my own rules, my life suffers. <laughs> yeah. So I never get up late. I never go to bed late. And if I get up late, I suffer. And if I go to bed late, I suffer. Um, I don't drink. And um, I, I can't say if I drink, I suffer because I haven't suffered through drink, as in got a hangover, for 15 years. Um, you know, I must have a PA and a VA and I mustn't get involved in admin and I mustn't manage my own diary and yada, yada, yada. And like, I, could, I don't want to bore you, but I could list 100 rules and systems. And like you said, in life leverage and routine equals results, which I don't break. But then... On the odd occasion, so for example, my PA has messaged me, pissed off with her in a nice way, but she's like, Rob, I know that you never take appointments at 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. And she's given me this beautiful sales pitch on these two appointments I have to take at 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. I don't take appointments before 1 p.m. Keep the, the day free so I can get you know my shit, my time. And I've only gone and agreed it like an idiot. Um, now, look, I'll be able to justify it because it's two interviews in really high level roles. But I know I'm going to get up that morning and go, why have I got an appointment at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock? You know, I know my ebbs and flows and highs and lows. I know when my energy's good. Uh, you know, I know when, um, you know, when a good time to have meetings in and isn't a good time to start working and all this. So, but, you know, no one's perfect and I'm not perfect. And I'm, you know, I, I, I do like a bit of chaos and randomness as well, David. Yeah. So there's got to be at least five percent leeway. No, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, so what what are the things that can cloud you then? Your cloud your purpose or detract you from following it then? Because because I mean, entrepreneurs do suffer from you know shiny thing syndrome or whatever, don't they? And, and so stay in fact, and you again, at the start of the conversation, you'd said a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, but, but do you, is it, what can cloud your focus on your purpose? I don't know if anything can cloud me on my purpose. I think I can get distracted along the journey. So I certainly like to do a lot of things. And the downside of that, David, is sometimes overwhelm. Mm. And I would say, a recurring thing that I have, maybe every three months, maybe every six months, depends on what's going on in the world and my life. But every three to six months, I have one day where I have a, a bit of a, you know, not meltdown in the sense of, you know, I start dribbling and shaking, but I get so overwhelmed because I get so many incoming messages and have so many emails and so much going on. And it's normally a sign that I've taken on too much. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing too much. So that is a recurring thing for me because I'm me. If you ask me, would I rather have 10% not enough to do or 10% too much to do? I'd take 10% too much to do. That's just, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. So overwhelmed through 
doing too many things is is a, a recurring situation and position I get myself in. That's one. Um, I, I I am one of those guys that likes to get involved in things, and you you know you call it shiny penny, but. I've made a shiny 200 mil out of those shiny pennies. So I can't really say, you know, if, if the downside of that's a bit of overwhelm or a, a, a bit of sort of spread focus, I'll take it because I've had a good run. So I, I don't think that's not really a problem for me. It's actually a big strength of mine getting in new things quite quickly. You know, I, I don't use these words of me, but people call me a disruptor, an innovator, a pioneer or whatever. I'm, I'm not Steve Jobs, but... I definitely do do things quite early and I've got the um, desire, the bravery that some people perceive, et cetera, to do it. Um, I would probably say um, allowing yourself to get distracted. So, you know, I have a load of tabs open because I've got a load of Google Docs where I look at all my KPIs and I'm on social a lot. I was going to say I have to be. I don't have to be. It's my choice, but I do a lot of business. I make millions off of social media, so I spend a lot of time on it. And what can happen is that makes the brain go, oh, check Facebook, oh, check Instagram, oh, check your email. And so sometimes I find it hard to go really deep on the work because the brain is going check, 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 check. So that, that, that can be a bit of an issue. I've had the same thing, David, and it's still there, but I think I'm managing it quite well. But it will keep ruining its head is my concern for what people think about me. I don't really like conflict, so I have to make myself have conflict. I don't really like telling people off. But I have to tell people off because that's my job. So I have to make myself tell people off. I don't really like upsetting people, but I have to upset people because that's my job. So anything to do with conflict is something I have to always, you know, G myself up to, to deal with. But in, in business, you've got to have it. If you don't have it, you've got no business. If, you, if things aren't breaking, you're not pushing hard enough. If no one's criticizing on social media, you're, you're not known by enough people. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, good. That's really helpful. Thank you. And um, I, I sort of um, think a little bit about about time and about life and about the fact that lots of people think they've got all the time in the world. So part of the reason why people waste time is because they think they've got all the time in the world. If, if, you, if you only had one year to live, what would you do? I'd have a lot of sex. I'm just <laughs> telling you I would. So <laughs> um, if I only had a year to live... <laughs> I would do everything I could to make sure that my company can last another 50 years when I'm gone. That's one thing I'd do. I would phone and call everyone that matters to me and tell them I, I love them. Um, and thanks for being in, in my life. I would um, try my best to spend as much time with my kids to leave some kind of meaningful lessons behind um i would plan with my wife and my business partner where all my assets go and make sure that everyone who should have their fair share has them and i'd make sure that my rob moore foundation has plenty of them and i make sure that someone takes over the running of the the rob moore foundation um i'd i'd give a load of my stuff that i have away might give away my ferrari my aerial atom i'd give just periodic giveaway stuff um, yeah, I don't really have any regrets, so I don't have to go and make peace with anything, which went through my head. It was like, did I have any regrets, any final last things I wanted to sort of, I'm pretty good at that. I, I, generally speaking in life, if I have conflict, I let water go under the bridge and then I will usually reach out and, um, 
make peace with it. So thankfully, I don't have too much of that. Say sorry as you go. Well, it's not always sorry, David. It, it, <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, I can say sorry. I'm good at saying sorry. I never was because it's a pride thing, but I, I've got much better at saying sorry. But it's not always saying, or I'm sorry for how things turned out as yeah, opposed yeah. to, you know, I, I'm sorry. Because some of the conflict I've had, I'm not really sorry. <laughs> you know, so... Um, I'll probably write a few poems and I'll probably do a few pieces of art, David. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's some things I'd, I'd probably do. Brilliant. Okay. Because you've touched quite a lot of uh, your values then, what I know about you from the point of view of work, legacy, uh, your purpose with, you know, with the foundation and, and all of that, you know, family, art. We haven't started on music yet. What's your favourite album? Oh, my life. How, the, how do you even say what's your favourite album? Like, that's like the, one of the most impossible questions. <laughs> Music is a, a mood-based thing. So I'll I, I tell you what I'll do. I'll geek out here. Yeah. I'll give criteria. Yeah. For an album to be the best album, every song has to be amazing. Yeah. So, for example, I love Radiohead and I love the album OK Computer, but there's a song in the middle that isn't a song. So it can't be the best album because it's got one song that isn't up to scratch. And I love Radiohead. So every song has to be a, a showstopper. And, you know, there's some amazing albums, but there's a couple of songs that let it down. So that's really hard. And I am... Um, I'm a bit of a closet metaler, David. Um, I'll tell you another album that has to be, it has to be transcendent across genre, i.e. even your mum likes it or, you know, people who don't normally like rock and metal like this album. So, you know, I, I remember seeing Nirvana Nevermind in my wife's mum's CD collection, <laughs> you know, so Nirvana Nevermind would, would have to be in probably the top 50 um, because parents listen to it. Everyone liked it. There's no one, most people aren't going to know this, but there's, an, there's a band called Therapy, they're a rock band, and they did an album called Trouble Gum. And every single song, they're only two and a half minutes long, all of them, and all 12 songs are so good. And everyone at school liked the album even people who didn't like rock or metal. Um, there's an al there's a, a band called Opeth. They're very heavy. And there's an album called Blackwater Park. And that is art and poetry and music and a film all in one. But I will warn people is the, the lyrics are pretty growly. <laughs> um, there's an album by Porcupine Tree called In Absentia. Yeah, I love I love progressive music, experimental music. So, if a band has made a great album, but it's a progressive album, i.e., it's experimental, that's a lot harder to do than to write ten three-minute, you know, pop songs. Yeah. So th that's an amazing album. I love Pantera. So, uh, <laughs> vulgar display of power. Is, is an amazing album. You're out the closet now, then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, just keep going. Um, <laughs> like, thing is with music, I love something that's unique. So, Rage Against the Machine, their their first album. Mm. He's so angry, and he's fused like hip hop and rap and rock and a bit of metal. And 
with Pantera, no one did anger. They did anger the best, mm, mm. the best. And their guitarist, who unfortunately got murdered playing music, um, is probably one of the, everyone sort of think top 10 ever. Yeah. I love Dire Straits um, with Money for Nothing and Walk of Life on it. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I could just keep going on and on. I, I find this an, imp- an impossible question. Okay. Well, we've got a top, I don't know, 40 f- from that. So we'll have to... Well, we we'll have haven't. To, we'll, 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 we'll whittle that See, this down. Is, this is going to piss me off, David, because I'm going to finish <laughs> this and I'm going to go, damn it. <laughs> um, what's the story? Morning Glory by Oasis. Every yeah. song's listenable in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was different. That, that yeah. had emotion in it. That's a... A classic album. All right. Well, let me let me ask you another question then, because you are going to get stuck on this and go on. For, <laughs> you're going to go on forever on this. Exactly. It's so, still pissing me off, David. I need to go and look at my vinyl. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's okay. That's okay. You will tell you what. G- give us give us a, give us a ring and we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. he's, 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 he's worked it out. Thousand album. Yeah, exactly. He saw, he, he contacted me two weeks after the after the interview and he's finally worked it out. We'll, we'll stick it in the show notes. That's fine. So, um. What would be your perfect weekend? Um, my perfect weekend would probably be staying with my, with my wife in a ne- really nice hotel. Um, and I'll refer to a comment I made earlier about the first thing I'd do if I had a year to live, but I won't repeat that. Um, I would want some alone time with my wife, but also I'd obviously want to spend some time with my kids. Maybe some writing, some social media content creation. Um, I, I, I am a bit of a... I do love Alexander McQueen and Christian Louboutin, so I'd probably go and buy a nice Alexander McQueen jacket and Le Boutin shoes. It would be it would be summer, but not too hot. It might be somewhere like Cambridge or um, you know certain parts of London. I don't need to be in you know Dubai. I've travelled m- most of the places in the world. I feel like I need to go. I'd love to have really interesting conversation or two. I'd love to meet someone new I'd never met before that you know maybe was either well known or very successful at something. I just have a really good, intense discussion, stroke debate. I'd love to do that. I'd love to have that in my last year, um, David. I'd probably have to do the top 40 albums in my last year on my yeah. perfect weekend. Yeah, yeah. Per- oh, good combination. Well, let me that. actually, let me ask, let me throw it back at you. What yeah. about you? What's your, what's your favourite album of all time? Well, at the, at the moment, it's Flying Dream 1 by Elbow. And that's really recent. So it goes right. to show how impressionable I am. Well, that's but, it. And you, when the new every, album... But uh, yeah, so but, but, every song is is a work of art and the musicology, the lyrics, um, and, and the fact that it was produced, uh, live on a stage in an empty theater that could not be visited because of COVID. Um, and it is, it's just a thing of beauty and it's just literally, um, it will always, it will always be in my, in my top 180,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've got so, it on vinyl. So, uh, so yeah, that's, so, that's um, that. Fugitive Motel is would be in one of my top probably 20 songs, and that's an elbow song. That's a piece yeah, of art. It is a yeah. um, and I definitely love their first two albums and lots of other songs, but you know, that they're they're not progressive, but they do experiment a little bit. But I do agree. Um is it um the lead singer, he's a poet, definitely. Yeah, yeah, Guy Garvey is yeah. definitely a poet. And you mentioned uh, OK Computer. Now 
I I love that album. I listened to that on Saturday. I got together with some a mate of mine turned my best mate, oldest mate turned fifty. We had a jam. We used to be in bands together, so we had a jam. We'd hire a rehearsal studio. Tell you what, they've tidied those places up. You used to be walk out with carpet tiles stuck to the bottom of your shoes when you went into <laughs> a rehearsal studio back in the old days. But they're really quite plush. I listened to OK Computer on the way up. And uh, it was just awesome. I was just just lost in it all. I, and uh, I think I know which song it is you're, you're talking about. But but for me, yeah. an album also has to tell a story. And that's that's the thing right. that I like about life is is stories and coming together. So for, again, for me, back going back back to to my you know me growing up, Joshua Tree by U two. Yeah, again great. was a great album because it yeah. just it tells a story. It just flows. And yeah. I guess now the way music is produced and distributed and all that sort of stuff these days, you don't necessarily get that sense of the connection between one song to another and how it, how it flows. So um, so yeah, so they're probably up there for me but yeah it's an impossible question which is kind of why i ask it really yeah yeah i mean if you'd probably have to put the bends in above okay computer because it hasn't oh, got yeah, a that, bad song no yeah and, it, it, um, that's yeah street spirit fade out that last song on the bends is just mm -hmm. the most perfect song the most perfect song yeah um what i love about radiohead is you can spend a year listening to radiohead and you choose five songs that you love of them and the next year you'll choose another five songs that you love of them and then you'll discover a song you know like, holy shit i've listened to that for 10 years and never really loved it and i love that song and porcupine tree are like that for me yeah. there's a lot of depth to the music and some songs grow on you after 100 listens um and you get that with radiohead a bit which i, I you know because it's quite complex and moody and yeah, I'd love, I'd love to interview Tom York. He's such an anti-capitalist. I'm not sure it's going to be easy for me to get him, but <laughs> he's a fascinating guy. He's always, yeah. as soon as his genius is recognised, he doesn't want to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's a bit like Talk Talk, isn't it? So Talk Talk had all that success, and then they got this massive record deal, and then they ended up producing what was it, Spirit, Spirit of Eden or something like that, or Laughing Stock, one one or the other. But again, they're just amazing albums. Every time you listen to that, that's something different, mm. different in there as well. So, uh, so yeah, beautiful. Love music. Love music. Beautiful <laughs> my life. Okay, so um, is there any such thing as a stupid question? No. Okay, and what makes you cry with laughter? I'm going to go back to the first question. The only stupid question is one you feel you wanted to ask, but you didn't ask. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the absence. Okay. What makes oh. me cry with laughter? I don't think I, I, I'm more cry with sadness in films and in music and things like that. Uh, like when Shane Warne died, fucking hell that, yeah. like, that really hurt me. And I, I'm an Englishman, you know, and, and, but like to, to have, an arch enemy, yet everyone in England loves him, says a lot about the character. So I don't think I cry with laughter. I, I am childish. So, you know, my me and my daughter have this, she just loves poo and farts and, you know, she's seven. Yeah. She's not 18. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I would say what makes me really laugh is childish, silly sense of humour. You know, as a, I don't take myself too seriously um i do love stuart francis i don't know if you know him the comedian the one line of like I, I mean it's clear people like jimmy carr must have learned from him stuart francis is just so funny his um yeah i i could just think of some that would make me cry, cry with laughter yeah I, I won't say them because i'll ruin them 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you can't you can't repeat the masterpiece of those. Yeah, and uh, he, he, he comes up on my TikTok feed a lot. So, and it's great. Thirty second. Oh, he's perfect for TikTok because he's yeah, one liner nature. Exactly, it's just brilliant. Probably, um, probably giving his career a second wind. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you watch a minute of Stuart Francis, you've had twenty jokes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's genius, genius. Okay, cool. So we should probably start winding it up now. I could probably talk for hours, but we probably should start winding up because nearly your bedtime and everything. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so, so, who inspires you the most, and why? At the moment, my wife really inspires me. Um because she's dependable, reliable, um, honourable, smart, but in an understated way, very good values, puts other people before herself. Um, yeah, so I'd say my wife. Brilliant. Great answer. Yeah, I've got to say me too. Not your <laughs> wife, mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife did the artwork for the podcast, for the People With Purpose podcast, and she's, um, yeah, she's stretching herself you know, with cre- her creativity and she's an art teacher, but she's actually finding her own, her own thing with art again now, which, uh, which I love that. And uh, yeah, compassion and all that. But anyway, this is about you, not about me, uh, but yeah, I agree. Good, good answer. Um, Are you looking and, uh, over your shoulder over the... No, no, she, oh. she's not very well. She's, she's, she's... Oh. Uh, haven't, I just yeah, saw you looking up. Down. I thought you were looking at her for her approval. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is where I get my inspiration from above. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. So what's the most important uh, lesson you've learned in life? The most important lesson I have learned in life is that every downside has an upside. Brilliant. And what advice would you give to somebody who wants to find and follow their purpose? Just ask yourself every single day, at least once, who am I and what am I meant to do with my life? And if you ask that to yourself every day, you'll find it. Brilliant. Rob, thanks for coming on People With Purpose. It's been great. People With Purpose make a difference. You're making a massive difference in the world. Keep it going. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Thanks, David. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, look after yourself. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.